Start my music. There we go. It's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Bump into your broadcast. Grab a chair, fill your glass. Hey, 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 welcome to the Really Charlie Podcast. I'm Charlie Perry, and my guest, fabulous guest, inspiring guest, uh, she's got it all. She's got it all, and I am so, so glad to have her on here. And um, this is Kim Conray, and um, I'm so happy to have her, and, and that's what I try to do. I always try to get someone on my podcast to create another guest. And this is and and this is what happened. Kathy Nichols ended up talking to me, being on the podcast, and recommended Kim to this podcast. So, um, and reading about her, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable things that you're doing. And I hope that you continue to do the work that you're doing. And you definitely have someone that's going to follow you for uh, this day forward. You know, only because you're. I'm living and learning through your experiences and what you're going through um, and what you're talking about in your blogs. So I'm definitely going to be a person that's going to listen to you quite often only because podcasting is something I like to listen to. Um, if I don't have to put the TV on, I'll put a podcast on and that's good enough for me. So welcome. Welcome. It's an honor to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. I'm especially happy to be here during a Mental Health Awareness Month. So it's especially great to be here to, to talk about OCD and, and writing and especially what OCD is and what it isn't. Yes. yes. <laughs> Some people think if they like to keep their bookshelf alphabetized, you know, they're so OCD. And by the way, we hate it when people use it as an adjective. Mm -hmm. um, but and of course, OCD can have an, an organizational component, but not always. Yes. And, and some people with OCD can be super clean, but not always. Because mm -hmm. um, my daughter has, you know, as part of her OCD, also had the hand washing problem. And she would wash her hands until they bled and cracked. But get this, the mm -hmm. sink she was washing her hands in filthy. Wow. And I think that would shock most people um, to learn that OCD is not logical because mm -hmm. logically, if you were worried about those hands being surgically clean like that, you would worry about the sink being dirty too. Yes. But no, the, the, the obsession was focused on the hands themselves and she was washing them till they literally bled and cracked. Um, so there's a lot of misunderstandings uh, about OCD. And uh, one of the big ones, too, is a lot of people don't know that you can also have intrusive thoughts. And this is a, a really scary one. And, and I hope it's okay if I dive right in. Yes, go ahead. Is it? Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. That's the main reason why you're here. <laughs> and um, I know when a friend of uh, hers... Um, took their own life, my first thought, and they were so young, they were 18, my first thought was, and, and I don't know why they took their life, but my first thought was, what if they had harm OCD? Mm -hmm. And no one told them that this was a form of obsessive compulsive disorder. Harm OCD is where you have an intrusive thought about harming yourself or someone else. And these are not violent people. These are not people who want to hurt someone. No, 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 no. It's a door gets stuck open in your brain. Okay. And you may watch a horror movie. You may see a clip on the news. God knows there's a lot of that in the news, right? And you may think, 
oh God, how do I know I'm not a violent person? How do I know I won't do something like that? Mm-hmm. And the neurotypical brain would say, I'm a good person. I wouldn't yeah. do that. That's a silly thought and go on about their day. But the OCD brain would say, how can I know for sure? How can I know for sure? And it would keep playing over and over and over. And not only have studies shown that people with harm OCD are no more likely than the average person to commit violence, some studies have even shown that they're less likely to commit violence, that the compassion and empathy within the sufferer actually feeds the loop where they're trying to find a space in their head to prove I'm not a murderer. I wouldn't do that. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So they seek assurance and it's not a lot of people will say, Oh, just don't worry. You know, you can't add a day to your life by worrying. And while all that's good and true and people are just trying to help by saying that OCD doesn't respond to logic at all. (laughs) And the OCD brain There's actually areas in the brain, well, three for the most part, that are thicker or thinner. So the actual brain of the OCD sufferer, if you look at it on an MRI, actually looks structurally different. Hmm. So this isn't someone who is just a worry wart. Like I think a lot of people like to think, oh, they're a worry wart. They, they like to worry. Um, no, there's actually something different in their head. And a really wonderful example that was given in a book by um, Dr. Jeffrey Schwartz called Brain Lock, which helped me a lot when I was dealing with OCD when I was younger. And by the way, I, I will always have OCD, but it's gotten yes. um, easier as, as I've aged. But the example he gives is on an MRI, he looked at a brain with Huntington's disease, which causes uncontrolled movements. And he looked at a brain with OCD. And under the MRI, they both lit up, right? Like they were on fire um, where the problem was in their brain. But in both cases, a door is stuck open inside each brain. But with Huntington's disease, uncontrolled movements keep cycling through and cycling through and cycling through inside the Huntington's brain, inside the OCD brain, a thought will keep cycling through and cycling through. So in both brain, a door is stuck open. Unfortunately, with the OCD sufferer, we don't see it. With the person suffering from Huntington's disease, you can see them struggling to write their name an action that, you know, they've written their name their whole lives, but suddenly that person may just be struggling to write their name, right? But with the OCD sufferer, because you can't see mental illness unless this person is performing their ritual, like if they have a ritual that goes with the intrusive thought, or if they're washing their hands for the hundredth time, or checking a door, that was my jam Mm -hmm. (laughs) for the hundredth time. Um, You know, you can't see it. And I think that that's, a lot of the problem is we don't see the illness. So it's easy to say, oh, stop worrying. Or it's easy to cliche it and for people to say, oh, I'm so OCD. I like to organize my sock drawer. (laughs) My friend's so OCD because they can't have dust anywhere, you know. And I don't know if they're OCD or not, but I do know that it's wildly overused and we can't see the mental illness. And there are so many times I, I see people, you know, sleeping under a bridge, homeless folks. And I think, you know, how many of those people are mentally ill and Mm -hmm. and it's untreated mental illness. You know, we had fairly decent insurance, you know, it was fairly decent. And Charlie, we went through four, therapists, mental health professionals, before uh-huh. we found appropriate help for my daughter. Amazing. It took forever. It, it was so tough, even with decent insurance. So it's no surprise to me that some people aren't getting help. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of people that are homeless, and my first thought when I see them is, 
they're probably mentally, I mean, there's probably something going, something untreated going on. And, and, and some people even say, oh, well, they're an alcoholic or what? Well, maybe, you know, I don't know the torment going on inside their head. I don't live in their skin. I don't walk in their shoes. I won't be judging them. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of people self-medicate to quiet the torment. Amen. And if that's all you got, then maybe you do self-medicate. And I wish they, you know, I wish they didn't have to. And they shouldn't have to. And mm -hmm. that's that's what I think. And my judgments is is not going to change that. But you know, love can. You know, love in action. And you know, I, I I see these parents that you know they have children that are telling them, you know, I'm having these thoughts. These kids that are terrified. You know, it will in adults too. I mean, adults mm -hmm. can have harm OCD. You know, and they're scared to say anything because they don't know what it is. Who would guess that that looping thought, that violent looping thought, would you even know what to type into a search engine? Would you even know that that was OCD? Because some people don't have like a door checking ritual or a hand washing mm -hmm. ritual before the violent intrusive thought gets in their head on a loop. You know, so would they know that that's OCD? And my daughter said to me, mom, if the things I see in my head are true, then I don't deserve to live. And she's the wow. most compassionate, sweet, kind, loving girl, would never hurt anybody, but she couldn't stop this looping thought. Mm -hmm. And we eventually did find a psychologist with experience in um, exposure and response prevention or ERP, ERP which is yeah. the gold standard for obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's really important to find an experienced therapist in ERP, exposure response prevention, which means ex exposing the sufferer to the compulsion and they sit with it. They don't do the ritual. Like my daughter had a, a ritual of touching a lamp because when mm -hmm. she had a bad thought, she was turning off a lamp and she thought, for example, everybody's is different. None of them are logical, but if I touch the lamp, replace it with a good thought and can hold the good thought in my head, then that means that I'm not a bad person. And wow. she would get halfway across the living room, but she couldn't hold the thought in her head. So she would go back to the lamp, touch it again. But then the thought would come back because when you're not trying to think about something and you're trying really hard not to think of it, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. you're thinking about it. The very yeah. act of trying not to think of something means you're thinking about it. So you need exposure and response prevention therapy with an experienced therapist. And, and I'm happy to say we finally found it. She's doing great in college. She's got a summer job. She's doing so well. And God, I'm thankful for a therapist. But yeah. there's so many people, you know, they, they don't have insurance. They can't afford it. And I think, God, what do they do? How, they how do? was it that, I mean, you, you've been going through this yourself since 13 yes. years old. Yeah. And so now you become a parent and now your mom. And so you're seeing things um, and recognizing things. Uh, and now you're looking for the care and it's not there or parts of the, the the care for your daughter. And that could be nerve wracking and probably affected you while she was going through something, you were going through something at yourself. Um, yeah. And um, so, and they, it was one thing I heard about is uh, thinking. Thinking's like an invisible part of it. And, um, and people never think they would, they wanna see some physical things about it. You know, and, and, and thinking is not physical, you know, and, and so we kind of some people that are not familiar with with OCD may never put the thinking process um, when they're trying to analyze and, and, and think of different things. They just have not avoid it, just just don't understand that that's part of it. Yeah. And um, but uh, wow. Well, I, I got to commend you and I'm glad your daughter's doing well. Um, and that's what it's about, you know, having people surrounded by you with you 
and and getting you to help. You know, you talked about the, you know, homeless people and they self-medicate. Sometimes those self-medication solutions are the only thing that they have available and the only thing that could actually yeah. help them. Um, and, and it may be the only thing that they actually know that's helping them. You know, they may not know of any other things that are helping that could help them, but that the self-medication is part of it. Yeah. Um, so, um, and, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, your husband and everything, you know, have, have you guys taught a lot, you know, as he's been learning on the way and, and, and supportive, I'm surprised yeah. the family thinks, but it's, uh, sometimes people get scared and intimidated. So, yeah, yeah, it's tough. It, it's really scary. And, um, you know, it was, it was tough for, you know, my ex at the time when we were together and, and talking about the options and, and medication maybe, and, and there's no shame in that either, but it was scary because he, he was a veteran mm -hmm. and, and coming back from Afghanistan and, and, you know, there were people with PTSD and people who yeah. had gone on medication and, and, you know, the suicide rate was pretty high. And, and so there was some fear there, like, yes medication versus no medication and what do you do it was scary and so wow. it does affect the whole family and then um i was remarried not so long ago and um it, it's tough because it, yeah. it does affect the whole household and i i remember when my daughter was going through the therapy you know it was just at the height of covid and so she was doing her appointments telehealth and when she was in the middle of the exposure and response prevention therapy you know, we would hear her up there just wailing just because she would be in the, they would, they take the sufferer to the height of their um, exposure of what's, what bothers them. And they may even have them talk through the, the terrifying thought, you know, the violent thought or whatever. Cause you know, there are some people, for example, who have their spouse take all the knives out of the kitchen. Mm -hmm. They, they won't slice their own sandwich because they have this fear of just hold like literally holding a knife wow. because they've had this looping thought. Well, what if I just pick it up and just stab somebody? Well, how do I know that I won't, you know, and then they, mm -hmm. it just loops. Um, but yeah, so the therapist would, would take her, walk her through these scenarios, these scenarios. Well, what is it you think you're going to do? Well, let talk about it and no, don't ritualize. Don't, don't say mm -hmm. your prayer. Don't do your tapping thing, you know, cause people have different little things that they do that, that sort of satisfies their brain. Well, if I do this a certain way, you know, like with holding the lamp or whatever. And, and she would just be up there. We would hear her upstairs just wailing. It's not like a banshee just crying because your brain has to learn to sit with it. Mm -hmm. and not do the ritual because every time you do the ritual you're telling your brain well you you need assurance i have to assure you with this ritual and if you keep giving your brain the assurance you're telling the brain there's something to assure about mm -hmm. but if you can have the thought and do nothing about it then the brain will eventually go huh and stop it. But every time you do the ritual, it's like you're, you're digging a groove in your brain deeper and deeper. And the brain, it's an abyss. The mm -hmm. brain keeps asking for more ritual until people can have rituals that go on for hours. I mean, it doesn't shock me that someone would not be able to hold down a job. There was this one lady that I read about. It took her two hours to get out of bed wow. because she believed that before her feet touched the floor, if she didn't do these certain things, she or a family member would die, you know? Oh. So yeah, we would hear anyways, my daughter up there, you know, just, just, just crying because she would be going through the therapy and having to not ritualize or, and not say certain prayers or not do certain things. Um, but she eventually trained her brain. When you stop ritualizing, you train your brain to not see the thought as something dangerous. You let the thought happen. You let the violent, okay, it's, it's there and I'm not going to react mm -hmm. to it, you know, and, and she didn't understand that for the longest time until she eventually read this thing about OCD that said, you know, the intrusive thought is like an itch. 
it may itch terribly and you want to scratch it. But if you don't scratch it, it will eventually stop itching. And that may sound simple, but for her, that's how she finally understood not ritualizing, you know, and and just sitting with the thought. Amazing. Yeah, it worked for her. Yeah, it's uh, guys deserve five stars, including her, you know. Um, I have a comment from YouTube. um, Michael Sumail says it is estimated that 20 to 25 percent of homeless people compared compared with 6 percent of the non-homeless have severe mental health health illness. Sorry. Other estimates. Others, others estimate that up to one third of the homeless suffer from mental illness. It's so true. Yeah. And um, we, uh, Michael's been a guest on my, um, my. Uh, it's a biweekly uh, podcast that we have, and it's making mental health your, mental health your priority, oh, or a priority. And um, so. And we talk about it as uh, my friend's life coach. He's a co-host, um, Mike Marvin Speller, um, in Los Angeles. And every day, he's dealing with the homeless, um, you know, by choice. And he goes down there, and um, him and his wife, which happens to be my cousin, and they they try to do all they can. And one of the things that one of the priorities is mental illness, and um, if he can try to help, um, he's going to do it. And he puts everything else aside. And um, so. That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful, man. It could I, be I, any I, I, Yes. Um, maybe one time you could. Um, you know, he might be a super guest for your podcast. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'll, uh, yeah. I know he'll review this later on, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I hope. Hope you guys get get connected. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about your book. Um, Stealing Ours is that is that correct title? Stealing Aries. Yes, Aries, that's my right. um, book that I wrote when I needed a break from writing about trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so Stealing Aries is a um, sci-fi romance. Yeah. Okay, let me try to. Let me try to bring it up here. Um, only because it's a cool, cool um, book cover. I love it. I love the cover. Thank um, you. Shout out to David King at Black Rose Writing for that cover. I think he did a great job. I'm really proud of sure it. sure did. And, um, all right. Let's see. I'm going to stop this. Streamyard's awesome, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, right, it's there. It is, yeah. Yes, I love it. I love it. It's so um, you know, I can't wait. You know, you talked about it being on pre-order, you know, and I'm gonna definitely make it um, one of my books that I have on the shelf. Um, along with, um, you know, Kathy's book, it it just, you guys give me plenty of reading and I'm still way behind on some other books that I have. So, but I, I definitely like to flip flop and go to different books. Um, and it's all depends on my mood. You know, I may need to get into something that's educational, um, that I'll read it, you know, and then I might want to read something else, you know. Uh, to go with my poetry, so I'll pick up some other books. Um, and uh, but I love writing books, I really do. And um, I just I have some stories on the shelf, and hopefully, I get them out there. Um, but I'm really into the podcasting, and and I'm on the radio, so that's something that um, I'm really I like doing. It occupies a lot of my time, so. Yeah, it's I, fun. It's fun. Our our Wild Women Who Write podcast is we really enjoy it, and you get to meet so many cool people sure. on the podcast. You know, and your uh, poetry, it, by the way, it's really good. Thank you. 
I, I was really flipping through the other day and reading. It's really good. It means a lot to me. I appreciate it. All right. Let's see here. I'm going to make sure that I got all the comments here. All right. Let's move this. There we go. The um, So on your podcast, um, is that weekly? Um, that's one thing I didn't. I didn't. We do about two interviews a month. Okay. Yeah. And there's more, I think it's just really because there's more of us, you know, there's um, usually four, well, we have one member that pops in and out, but three or four of us that, that do the interviews. And so all our schedules have to coordinate, you know, mm -hmm. at the same time. So we do about two per month. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it has to be right because um, you, I mean, it's hard enough just getting a guest, you know, on a podcast, just one guest. So now when you have a multitude of co-hosts or hosts, um, it gets difficult. We all work for a living. We're all trying to do the best we can. Um, and I wish we were all, you know, the, the, the small the small people like you and I. I wish we had a, a Joe Rogan schedule, you know, where we could do it every day. You know, all he does is walk out and he he's in his house and he's in the studio, you know, and um, there's... Uh, you know, but you know that we all got our path. You know, you know, yeah. my path is to do what I'm doing right now, and uh, you do it I'm, well. Thank you, thank you. This is uh, it's amazing. You know, this is this is what the pandemic has given given me. You know, uh, is is doing the podcast. You know, it's it's. I would say with the pandemic, it's good, bad, and ugly. You know, and and the. The ugly part about it is the many people that we lost. But yeah. when I was at home and, you know, and not working, you know, it, this was something that I could go to. And when I started doing it, it just, I started getting better and better. Um, and I'm learning and, and learning every single day. Um, so I got to say, I'm, I'm, uh, Glad I'm doing it. And the yeah. name really, really Charlie comes from my wife. You know, every time I do something, she says, really, Charlie? <laughs> really so, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kathy was so, telling me that. I thought that was just the <laughs> cutest thing. Really yeah. Charlie. <laughs> I so love she, it. She says that I have to give her some money, some royalties for this. You know? Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, the OCD memoir was, uh, you're talking about pandemic projects and stuff. That was my um, pandemic project. And it's under consideration with a couple of publishers now. Now, Stealing Aries, that, that, that's going to be out in, in September, September 29th. So I'm pre-order now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Go to aries-ascending.com and you can pre-order it. There's a link there. But uh, no, the um, OCD memoir was my pandemic project. And I was um, talking to my husband, George, about, you know, the OCD. And he's like, well, you should, you should write about that. He's like, a lot of people don't really understand OCD itself, mm -hmm. much less harm OCD. And I'm like, oh gosh, no, they don't. I said, so maybe it could be this YA book or what do you think? Maybe sort of like the Michael Vay series. He's like, no, 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 Kim, no, because I was thinking fiction, you know, mm -hmm. and he's like, no, tell your story and Sloan's story, you know, and I was like, oh, yes. don't nobody want to hear that, because, <laughs> you know, we're, we're telling our own stories, we see our lives as ordinary, mm -hmm. they're our lives, you know, we live them, right, I mean, I mean, we think they're interesting, right? Because we're yep. the star of our own, you know, show. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I was like, George, don't nobody want to hear that. He's like, oh, Kim. But they do. He's yes. like, people don't know what this is. And he said, I really think people would be investing, be invested, you know, wanting to know how to help their child and even if the, their child doesn't have OCD you know people with any mental illness mm -hmm. would like to hear about the, 
the search to find your child a therapist that can help them? Like, how do you even go about that? How do you look for them? Like, how do you know if the person that they're talking to is a good fit? Like, how do you feel as a parent? Do you feel like this is somehow your fault? And I did go through that, you know, like parents sometimes blame themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I did. I mean, I went through that. And um, so, yeah, it, it became memoir, but that was my pandemic project. So what made you start podcasting? Um, I was going to try on a local I was actually going to just do a show on a local cable access um, studio, a station. And um, so we started, and that was before the pandemic. And it was pretty good. It was definitely something, you know, that I wanted to do. And um, the local station was New Bedford Guide. Um, and I, I loved going there. I loved being in the studio, behind the camera. And it was it was great. And then pandemic hit and so now there was we couldn't meet we couldn't be in studio so i said well i gotta try to do something and then it clicked about podcasting and i was watching a couple of my friends um and i said yeah i I should try that and you know as you as you start in the beginning you know technical issues are definitely a problem and and i was like getting frustrated but i was like I got I like this. I got to stick with it. And, um, and here I am, you know, here I am. Here you are. And you, you said you've done um, over 200 of these now. Yes. Um, and oh some, I, 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 uh, wanted, I, I slowed up a little bit. Um, and then I, 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 I think it was two weeks, two weeks. I didn't do something. And, um, I was like, oh my God. I said, I gotta do set it up for the next month. And, and and but the thing that draws me to this podcast is is that every guest becomes my friend. And so now it's like, wow, you know, and I'm communicating all the time on Facebook. And some have gone on to start their podcast. And it's like, this is nice. This is this is what I like. It's still, it's still, I like community. So this is kind of that own, this is that community thing. And um, it really, really uh, drives me. You know, I was a police officer for 30 years and I loved community. And I loved it, like interacting with people, doing something, problems, problem solving, yeah. listening and learning. And, and the podcast is I'm learning every single day. At some part of the day, I listen to the Joe Rogan experience. And I always find there's always someone that he puts on the show that I didn't know. And I don't, I don't think I know everybody, but I'm saying, who is this guy? And so I look him up, Google the person, the guest that he has, and I'm like, oh, my God. I says, I know who that is. Um and so I heard their story, their backstory of um, whether it's being a comedian, an actor, whatever it is. And they became more interesting to me. And yes. Like, I've done that like, before, too. Like, let me see. I need to know more. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and it's 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 very, very. Um, uh, and even like music that podcast has got me list, has me listen to other music. Um it's a group, the Black Keys, um, uh, this other group, Whiskey Myers. You gotta, you gotta listen to them on YouTube or Whiskey Myers. I was like, I would never think that I would listen, and I, I'd, I've been listening to them for the past three days. You know, you're giving um, me cool. suggestions. I'm writing this down. All right, Whiskey Myers, like Jack Daniel's whiskey, actually. Um, I can't find it. Where is it? There it is. Well, you would be a good person. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's my nice light. It's a light. (laughs) That's cool. Oh, it does. It has a cord coming out the back. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Well, no, you would be a good podcast for the wild women who write because 
um, especially, I don't know if Kathy mentioned this or realized this, but, you know, because she writes um, thrillers, mysteries and things like that. And to interview police officer and find Uh out what's authentic Mm -hmm. and what is cliched, what's stereotyped, what makes police officers cringe when they read it in a book. You know, I bet Mm -hmm. you've had the experience of a writer writing a police officer and it is so stereotyped that you're like, no, we don't act like that. We don't say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can have you on the podcast to tell us how to do it right. I I would love, I would love that. One of, one of, I, um, Later, there was a series called The Wire. I'm pretty sure you're aware of it. So The Wire was, that was a great, great series. Um, And a friend of mine on the job before I retired had said, hey, you you never seen The Wire? I said, no, I never. He said, this is the most realistic um, show that I've ever seen on, on TV about police life and it was so accurate that I, I, I was like, oh my God. And I I started binge right uh you know watching over I mean almost four hours of watching it. I just couldn't stop watching it and it was very fascinating. So um that is one that was one book or movie that I definitely didn't second guess. Or say that's what are you doing? That's not even we don't do that, you know. It, it's just something that um you know that was so real to me, and I, I I actually and then they they got nominated for an award, oh, and they didn't get it. They just got nominated. <laughs> I said they got robbed. No, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, so that's one that we writers could watch. If we wanted to see something that was was fairly accurate, yes, you know, that would show us a good example of procedure and, and mm-hmm. maybe authenticity, yes, to some at least some extent, yeah, yes, okay. So that's probably yeah, I, I would love to. That would be an honor to do that. Um, and and sometimes uh, police officers can't get out of that official capacity sometimes even when they're retired they um and it's like just tell your story just tell it like it is you know and uh like one of my bosses he said hey this is what i want to do when we retire because we have to do it when we retire he says look i want you to write a story about me and then we had a third friend and then you we're all going to write different stories he said as far as me he says, I just got to tell it all, you know, but I got to tell it all when I'm retired because there's, there's no way I'll, I'll probably be fired. I have people yelling at me. He said, it's just a real life story. And, and he's such a party animal and um, he's living a good life now and um, great family. But he said, if you know, if we write this story, it's, it's going to be a bestseller. I said, of course it will. I know it will. But, uh, we never got to it, and I don't think we will. I don't think we will. But um, not that we did bad things and crazy illegal things, but it would just be conduct unbecoming of a police officer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we would get the inside scoop, though, and it would be great. Yeah, it sure would. <laughs> and um, I, uh, I, I, you taught me a lot today. Um, well, you taught me a lot just saying that you were going to be my guest. And when I started reading a lot of things that you were involved in, I was it it gave me a classroom assignment. And I'm very, very happy that um for one first is Kathy bringing us together. She was able to, you know, we made that happen. Um, but I learned. I definitely learned something and um and I'm glad because I am uh, driving a van, a school bus, and uh, like I said, I'm around a lot of people. And and plus, I have my own podcast. I'm doing biweekly. 
that it's very, very important that I try to spread the word about everything that I possibly can and harm OCD is something I'm going to bring up in the next podcast. Um, Thank you. That I have. I definitely will. And um, I'll definitely anything I take from you, I'll ask for permission. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. And the blog, you know, if you want to share that, it's um, harm OCD, mm-hmm. Kim Connery dot com. There's blog posts um, that you can read and share resources and I have uh, different websites you can go to um, to read more about harm OCD and, and my stories are there but also with the resources there's clinical resources as well for sure and um, OCD International you know they have a, a database there where you can put in your zip code if you're looking for you know a therapist in your area hmm. um, and, and they just have so many good resources they're great I'm, I'm going to make sure that's part. That's going to be a segment on the next podcast. I'm going to make sure that we do that. And it's nice that you have the resources because I, I can put that in a comment section section and, and definitely that way, because, you know, everyone's kind of that. They don't want to, they got a stigma about everything and, and they just don't want to come forward and, and yeah. or don't know how, you know, maybe. And um, so, but if they're listening and I put it in front of them, it may some be something that triggers them to do something, you know, or. Yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah. so. And I, I often get scared that, um, like, especially with harm OCD, you know, and then when you think about school shootings and stuff, you know, could a teenager, because I, I was once having dinner with some folks and I mentioned harm OCD and there were two former um, high school counselors at the table, great people, um, and I'm sure awesome counselors, but, but they didn't know what harm OCD was. Mm. And I thought, well, what if a teenager and, and, and it, they're no fault of their own. I mean, these were educated, awesome people that I'm sure were great at their job, but they had never heard of harm OCD. So what if a student went to them in this day and age of school shootings, oh my gosh, and said, you know, I'm having this terrifying, repetitive thought that keeps going through my mind. Mm-hmm. What would they do? And and could we blame them if, if they got on the phone and said, hey, you know, I've got this student here that says they're thinking about, you know, and they didn't know what harm OCD was. And, and maybe they even call the, the police on this teenager and it would traumatize that child even further they're already traumatized because they have harm ocd you know if, mm-hmm. if they do i don't know what they have because i'm, I'm yeah. not a clinician but it traumatizing me even further so i feel like the more people i can tell about harm ocd so that they know what this even is the more understanding we could get out there and then maybe the counselor could stop and say well, you know, I may not for sure know what this is, but mm-hmm. before I freak out, you know, let, let's let's call in the proper clinician because it's usually a psychologist that does yes. the diagnostics for something to determine if you do or don't. And maybe they don't have it. Maybe there really is danger. But you would hate for somebody to be on a hair trigger about it because mm-hmm. we are scared these days of things like that. You know, when it, it might just be an intrusive thought and, and the child's no danger at all they just have OCD and they just yes. need therapy. And so, um, yeah, the, the more we can spread the word and, and people can know what this is, that it is a diagnosable, treatable neurological disorder and mm-hmm. you can walk free of it. You don't have to end your life. You don't have to think your life is over. You know, it can be treated. So uh, man, mm. I'm so grateful that you, you know, provided this space that, that mm-hmm. we can spread the word. I'm so glad you mentioned all that. That was, uh, that was perfect. You know, it definitely, um, it, it needs, it needs to be put out there. And, um, you know, once we're done with the podcast, uh, I'll definitely download everything. Um, the video version and the audio version on anchor and Spotify. Um, awesome. uh, I'll have that done within the hour. Um, 
I have to run out and then come back. So, but I want to make sure that it's up there and then I'll share it on my Facebook page. And um, that way you'll have it. And uh, thank you. hopefully between our 10 million friends we both have, we'll be all right. And everyone can share it all over the place. Yes. Far and wide. Yes, please. <laughs> but um, please, I, I would love you to come on again, um, especially okay. when your book comes out. Yeah. And and anything else that you're doing, um, you know, please. I'm definitely gonna add some comments to different things that you're doing, whether it's the podcast or um I definitely wanna give a rate uh, a big review on your podcast because I think you guys uh, girls are um definitely putting something out there that um needs to be heard. And um, it caught my fascination. I mean, I wish if I could tell you how much I was listening, you know, it just, as soon as I get to work, I'm putting it on, you know, and I'm just listening and people calling me, Charlie, Charlie. I'm not even hearing them because I have my earbuds on and I'm listening <laughs> to you guys. Busy. So, yeah. So I, I'll talk to you later. You know, I'm, I just... You know, and I could put it on pause. I just don't want to because I'm into it. So keep up the good work. <laughs> Yours too, my friend. Yours too. <laughs> it's great. All right. Um, anything you want to close with? No, that's it. I just, you know, and hey, if you need a break from the trauma, Stealing Aries is there for you. Yes. Set 500 okay. years in the future after we've colonized Mars. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Oh, I'm sorry, Kim. One thing I didn't ask you: Who would you like to see on the Really Potty, uh, Really Charlie podcast? Who? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, <laughs> there's so many. And if you can't think of it, just let well, me know. Well, yeah, Gabby Anderson, our um, fellow wild woman, she mm -hmm. has her book is coming out. Um, in January, it's called South of Happily. It's about a first generation Hungarian um, immigrant or daughter of immigrants. Mm. And um, it's, it's really good. It's, it's about dealing with, with families and, and quirky, but also serious. It's really good. And uh, my good friend, um, Christian Bradley West, okay. he has a wonderful Instagram account called The Country Clairvoyant. And he's got bazillion followers because he's he's just hilarious oh my goodness mm -hmm. it's it's spirituality with a, a fun quirky little twist but uh he, he would be a good one too and uh oh my husband george weinstein he's got mm -hmm. six books out now oh, very <laughs> and, nice. uh, yeah oh he is also um um the uh goodness forgetting his title here <laughs> he's the president of the writers club now but he's uh goodness executive officer yes okay anyway atlanta writers club yeah but anyway he's author author forever but uh very, yeah very he nice. has like six books out and he would be a good one too so oh i'm full of suggestions all right i'm gonna you'll never run out of guests <laughs> i appreciate it i have um so i will reach out to all three of them yeah yeah i'll send you their email. um and uh definitely do that um I'm wide open for the summer, you know, and uh, and I don't I'm, I don't object to doing things on the weekend, you know, when people are free. So I could do that. Um, it doesn't always have to be on Wednesday night. Um, I'm available any any night except Tuesday when I'm on the radio. So okay. but uh, I try to make it as convenient as possible. Um, Kim, five stars to you and all that you're doing. And yourself. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You need me for anything, please, please uh, send me a message, whatever, and um, get in touch with me. All right? Yeah. Same here, my friend. All right. Fascinating guest. I'm loving it. All right. Um, Kim, I will do everything that I can to uh, tag different things that um, you're doing. Um, to my friends and, and definitely where it applies to life coaches and, and parents. You know, I like the stories. Um, one of those 
one of my favorite podcasts was parents that that had autistic children and they were collaborating and doing things and um so uh in in your case with the harm ocd if you ever do anything with parents um talking and speaking you just let me know or if you already did it i'd like to I like to get a hold of that and um, definitely. That would um, be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I know uh, OCD International has a, a group of parents. That, yeah, so okay. I have to look into that. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you more and um, take care. Me too. God man. bless. All right. It's a great guest. Awesome guest. I am so, so pleased and, and and this is definitely a podcast that i will put on tomorrow morning and i will listen to it over and over again probably i'll listen to it tonight and tomorrow just so i can um definitely you know re-listen and, and listen again to what kim had offered and, and said um because I'm, I'm trying to really get a grasp of of harm ocd um because I know that there's people in my life that are definitely maybe going through this and um, I want to be there as best I can. So, um, all right. Well, my fabulous intro and song um, by Lionel Peter Walker will close this podcast and you can find this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, YouTube, um, Facebook, and uh Maybe Buzzsprout. I'm thinking about that, you know. But um, right now it's it's definitely on all the platforms, Apple and everything. So, all right, take care, y'all, and have a great, great day. And I'll talk to you later. It's the really Charlie podcast. Yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast. Yo, yo. It's the really Charlie podcast, bumping to your broadcast, grab a chair, fill your glass, yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast, yo, it's the really Charlie podcast, yeah, yeah, it's the really Charlie podcast, bumping to your broadcast, grab a chair, fill your glass.